Hey, this is Pastor Devin. Thanks so much for joining us. I pray that this message is an encouragement to your life today. It's great to have you for week number one of what will probably become an annual tradition right here at the top of the school year at the movies, kicking it off with a classic. You know what it is. It's Cinderella, everybody. And I hope you had a chance to take a picture with Prince Charming and uh, Cinderella on your way in. I know I did. That changed my life personally. So um, it's going to be a great morning. I love what Disney has done with this updated version of a classic. The underlying theme revolves around a topic that we are all either currently dealing with or have dealt with. I know that God has helped me tremendously in this area in my own life, and it is the topic of forgiveness uh, or unforgiveness in some cases. And so my hope is that some truths out of this movie will extract some truths and find redemptive messages in them. And my hope is that some truths will be presented today that you haven't seen before through this movie. Are you ready, everyone? Are you ready? Are you excited? You're, you're settled in? Welcome to At The Movies. Time passed, and pain turned to memory. So Ella is born into this loving family, this wonderfully charmed life, and out of nowhere, tragedy strikes her family. Uh, The narrator says this line there, sorrow can come to any kingdom, no matter how happy. Boy, it's so true of our lives, isn't it? That sorrow comes into our lives unexpectedly, ways that we could never imagine. And when it's unexpected, it makes it even more difficult to deal with. Cinderella's mother suddenly falls ill, and right before she dies, you know, they they say that people say the most important things before they pass. And she says, I have some important words that I want to share with you. Always remember this, she says, have courage and be kind. Do you know that your kindness has power? It has more power than you could even imagine. Have courage and be kind. You know, faith requires courage. To believe that we do serve a God that is working all things together for the good of those that that love him. The, The courage that it takes to believe in a God that sometimes we don't understand or comprehend. Have courage and be kind. And kindness is a choice. To treat others with respect, to honor those. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2 that we put those above ourselves. We consider others. We value others better, putting their interest above our own. Treating people with kindness assumes the willingness to forgive people in advance before the offense even happens. Because we're all going to be faced with opportunities to either display kindness or not. Jesus made the same choice. While, While hanging on the cross, he says, Father... Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Have courage and be kind. Having the courage to put your faith in action and choosing kindness, assuming the willingness to forgive before the offense even happens. How many know forgiveness is always easier when you know that it was an accident? (laughs) When you know that there was no like malicious intent, it's easy to forgive and forget those things that you know were not purposely intended to hurt you. But what about those repeat offenders? 
The ones that you know are purposely doing something intentionally and they know it's going to hurt you. Maybe you're thinking, well, Devin, see, this is where the breakdown happens with us. You can't relate to my world. You can't empathize with my world because you live in this Christian bubble where everything is just wonderful and ministry is just people loving on each other. (laughs) Somebody knows better. Um, And I know you can't believe this because I'm such a nice guy. Um, But people actually say things to me that are mean and condescending and demeaning. I know. I can't believe it either. I'm just as surprised as you are. And like you, I don't like it. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just go throughout life without any relational pain or conflict? Can't we all just get along? But that's not realistic. Even Jesus told his disciples that wasn't realistic. He said this in Luke chapter 17. Hey guys, offenses are coming. They're going to happen. They will certainly come. Now, that is not the verse that you write on the three-by-five card and put on your mirror and recite over your life every day. Get ready. Offenses are coming. It's going to be an amazing day today. You don't embroider that on a pillow or put it on your refrigerator. No. But the truth is, hurts and disappointments and pains, it's not a matter of if, but when. Devin, I'd like to be more positive. I'm positive. They're coming. Offenses are coming. Jesus said it. So it's not a matter of of whether or not the offense is coming. It's not a matter of the offense. It's it's how you respond to the offense. You say, well, as long as I'm living right, people will treat me right, right? David said this in Psalm 34. Many, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of all. So, So even your righteous living can't immunize you from pain. It's coming. Psalm 119, he goes on to say later, it is, it is good for me that I was afflicted. Have you ever prayed that? David said, it's actually good. This affliction is good. Why? Because I actually learn something. So you need to, there's something that we learn about God that we otherwise wouldn't learn by the pain. There's something that you learn. This, you have the opportunity to learn something if you will allow yourself to. God's, God's wanting to teach you something. And it's in those moments That's when we have to discover the power of these words, to have courage, to live out our faith, and make the choice to treat people with kindness and forgiveness. And of course, Ella says to her mom, of course I forgive you. So she makes the choice to not hold a grudge against someone that is doing something that's not, she's not even responsible for. Like, her mom apologizes to her for something that she's not even forcing to happen. And she says, of course, she just makes the choice. And the narrator goes on to say that pain turned in to memory as time passed. So in her heart, she stayed committed to her core values. She didn't allow herself to become cynical or jaded. She doesn't allow herself to become bitter. No, she remained committed. How how many of us spend our lives blaming the past? Some of us are still using the excuse of something that happened in the past to justify how we're living in the present and it's greatly limiting your future. All because you can't let go of something that happened. And so Cinderella watches her dad go off to work one day. And he ends up marrying another woman. He comes back and tells her, I found another one, and he marries this lady by the name of Lady Tremaine. And Lady Tremaine, along with her daughters, Anastasia and Drizella, who's naming these girls? I don't know. 
And the stepmother and her stepsisters give Cinderella plenty of opportunity to put her mother's words into practice. I heard that. Who is she talking to? She's mad. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like some people's life and mission is just to make your life miserable? Oh, I'm the only one. I, you don't know my friends, I guess. Anyone have someone in your life that, maybe a lady, like a lady Tremaine or a stepsister that's always trying to get at you or provoke you or to get a reaction out of you? And as a Christian, maybe you found yourself thinking, how long, how much, how often, how many times do I have to put up with this? Which actually is a question that one of Jesus' disciples asked him in Matthew 18. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone? Who sins against me? Verse 22, Jesus says, you know, you know not, not seven times. Not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. And so just so you understand, the law required them to forgive three times. So Peter's coming to Jesus, and he thinks he's, by more than doubling the amount, thinks he's pretty spiritual about it. And Jesus actually turns him on his head and says, it's, actually, as long as you're counting, you probably haven't forgiven that person one time. If you know how many times you've forgiven them, you probably haven't forgiven them. And some of us keep pretty good records. <laughs> how many times we've let them off the hook. Just the fact that you can recount every time and tell the story so easily speaks to the fact that you probably didn't forgive them in the first place. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 19 says this. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. In other words, the problem isn't the offense. The problem is that I keep remembering the offense. I'm sitting here thinking on it, dwelling on it. No, notice how it says, I remember twice. So not only did it happen to me, but now I'm dwelling, sitting here thinking, posting about it. I well remember, and here's, here's the result. I'm depressed. My soul is downcast. And some, some of you not only remember your problems, but you well remember them. You could give me every detail, every date, every name, every session, every text, every comment. In fact, you've, maybe you've saved some of the texts. And you sit and you dwell on these things. Well, no wonder you can't forgive them. You keep rehearsing the pain. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 13? That love actually keeps no record of wrong. And some of us have a pretty good filing system of the records of wrongs that have been done to us. So Jesus is not saying literally 490 times. What he's saying is that forgiveness is actually an unending process. You think he's up there counting? How many are glad that Jesus doesn't have this counter on us? Aren't you thankful there's not a capacity or an expiration date to God's forgiveness towards us? So the question is, then how do I extend that same forgiveness to the people that have hurt me? And Ella gives this, this wonderful example of what it looks like she gets sequestered to the attic. I mean, I just, don't you love her attitude? She just seems to find the good in every circumstance. Even in the attic, she finds contentment so much so, and I tend to agree with her, that she goes, how very pleasant, no cats. I know. I told you we were going to be extracting truth from these messages. I, I do think that's true. As the cats go out, the joy goes up. It's just, it's just amazing how that where did I see him in there? Got a witness. <laughs> Here's what she realizes. In the midst 
of being sent to the attic and being mistreated and abused, here's what she realized. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you are, no matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you are, no matter where you find yourself today. Attitude is crucial. Not just to your success, but leading a life of contentment and peace. Because if your contentment is based solely upon what's happening around you, all the external, can I just tell you, get ready to be unhappy. Why? Because happiness is built on all the external, but joy and peace are something much deeper than that, so much more internal. And maybe some of you don't like where you're at right now. In fact, maybe you find yourself growing increasingly impatient where you are right now. I love this quote from Joyce Meyer. She says that patience is not just an ability to wait, but patience is really how we behave while we're waiting. And you've been growing increasingly impatient, but how have you been behaving in the middle of your impatience? Maybe you find yourself blaming God or wondering if God even hears you. Maybe the enemy has convinced you that we serve a cruel God and that he's hell-bent on just making it hard on you, that you're just some pawn in this game of chess that we call life. And you have a choice. It's called attitude. (laughs) So let me say it this way. Obedience isn't just doing what God says, but it's doing what God says with the right attitude. Attitude matters. It's not just the obedience he's looking for. Parents, you can relate. How wonderful it is when your children honor you and obey you just out of a pure motive. Sure, I would love to do that. As opposed to when they technically do what you've asked them to do, but have a terrible attitude while they're doing it. Rolling their eyes, stomping around. I'm going to let you know how miserable I am while I'm doing it. Aren't you happy now? I'm I'm telling you, attitude matters. When the boss asks you to do that one thing that you hate to do, and the reason he knows you hate to do it is because you make such a big deal about it when he asks you to do it, and until you do it with a good attitude, do not expect to get the promotion and given the enjoyable tasks. There's something that happens in the testing. Until you pass the test, you can't go to the next level. You have to pass a test. And there's something that happens in the testing that prepares you for the next level. Attitude is the difference between leading this life of self-imposed misery or God-ordained destiny. So many of us, we miss providential moments because we can't see beyond our own perception which is an attitude that we've chosen. Which is why Paul said, listen, if you don't want that kind of attitude, you need to get in partnership with the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you're going to be able to have the right attitude. Galatians 5, he says, since we live by the Spirit, we keep in step with the Spirit. When you're in step with the Spirit, you're able to respond in a Christ-like way when that interruption comes, something that breaks your stride. You're in step with the Spirit, the interruption comes. The annoying coworker. The needy child, the overbearing teacher, you'll be able to respond in the right way because you're spiritually in the right place. You haven't changed your physical location, but you've changed your spiritual perspective. It doesn't matter where you are, it matters who you are, no matter where you are. Ella finds this place of peace and contentment that wasn't confined to a physical location, but it was defined by a spiritual position of her heart. She makes the choice. And the only way, listen, the only way you're going to be able to do that is walking in step with the Holy Spirit every day. We were soaping through 1 Corinthians 
uh, this past week. I hope you were on that journey with me. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But people who aren't spiritual. So this, this is the opposite. You don't want to walk in step with the Spirit. Those who don't have the Spirit can't receive the truth from God's Spirit. It sounds foolish to them. They can't even understand it. For only those who are spiritual, who are walking in step with the Spirit, can understand what the Spirit means. Question, does the mere suggestion that you should forgive that person sound foolish to you? If it does, you might need more of the Spirit in you. Now, I did not say that forgiving them means that you have to reconcile and be best friends and implicitly trust them again. But you can choose to forgive them. So forgiveness is is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. The problem is, we don't want the other person to forget that we forgave them. By the way, it's not forgiveness if you keep reminding them that you forgave them. Remember that? When I let you off the hook? You've not let them off the hook. In order for a wound to heal, you have to stop touching it. Like, stop picking at the scab. Sure, the scar will be there as a reminder, but, but it will no longer be sensitive to the touch if you just leave it alone. Stop rehearsing the pain. You say, well, how do I know, Devin? How do I know if I've really forgiven them? You maybe have heard me say this before, but I think it bodes repeating. The fastest way to taste the content of your heart is to hear your enemy complimented. Well, what's your first thought? What's your first response? What's your knee-jerk reaction when you hear their name? Better yet, what about when you hear someone say something wonderful about them? Is your response, well, you don't know them like I do. You don't know what they did to me. And that will give you an indication on whether or not you've truly forgiven them. And the only difference between the person being able to do that and not do that is the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and them walking in step with the Spirit. Well, unfortunately, Ella's story goes from bad to worse. Father goes away on a business trip, and he ends up dying on the trip. So now she's just left with Lady Tremaine and the stepsisters who continue to abuse her and mistreat her and humiliate her. One day she gets so fed up, she gets on her horse, rides out of the castle and into the woods. And she runs into this young apprentice from the palace named Kit, and they immediately connect. See what I did there? No, you don't. The name of our church is Connect, everybody. (laughs) Interestingly enough, listen, had her stepsisters and stepmother not been so cruel, she would never, never have taken a ride into the woods and she would have never met this young man who she didn't even know was the prince. Well, how many of us can relate? The thing that we would have deemed as the greatest heartache, the greatest pain of our lives was the very thing that drove us to our prince, Jesus. And we were mad at the pain, but the pain was actually driving us to what we needed. And their meeting there in the woods is suddenly interrupted and they leave without being able to share who they really are. Soon after that, Kit's dad, the king, becomes ill and he tells his son that he needs to find a bride, so... Kit holds this ball and he opens it up to the entire kingdom, not just to the nobles, with the hopes that he will see this mystery girl that he ran into in the woods. And so they invite all the single ladies, all the single, they invite all of them (laughs) to put a ring on it and do all that. And the day of the ball 
Ella's stepsisters rip her dress apart and becomes a mess. She's, she's at her wit's end. And of course you know this story. Fairy godmother shows up, turns pumpkins into a carriage and mice into horses and puts her in this beautiful dress and the glass slippers and off she goes to the ball and she goes up to Kit and she steals not only everyone else's attention but she steals his heart as well. And they're dancing and enjoying the evening and time gets away from Ella. She loses track of time and before you know it, the clock is striking Midnight, she runs out as quickly as she can, the prince chasing her, and as she's leaving, one of the slippers falls off of her foot, which is all that the prince has, that she even exists. And Ella has the other glass slipper. It's the one memento of this amazing, unforgettable, magical evening. I think it's important to note that all the reasons that Lady Tremaine give for living unhappily ever after were all blamed on other people and life circumstances. She never accepts the personal responsibility for her own joy. And Ella asks this question that I'm sure many of us have asked when someone hurts us. Why are you so cruel? You know, hurting People tend to hurt other people. And they identify themselves by their pain. Their whole identity is is defined by their past hurts. And they live these closed-off, bitter lives as a defense mechanism to protect themselves, to make themselves feel better about their reality and not deal with what's really going on. Hurting unhappy people are also very critical people. They find it easy to focus on the negative and they they blame the world for their unfulfilled reality, constantly searching for something to find significance in and fulfillment in. And the truth is the reality of your life will never change unless and until you get honest with what is the reality of your life. Which, by the way, you cannot do by yourself. You can't do that in isolation. To some degree, we all have a skewed perspective of our own reality, which is why it requires someone else that loves us to say, hey, this is actually your reality. This is actually what is happening. You may not see this, but this is glaringly obvious. This is a blind spot in your life. How many know it's always easier to see that in someone else than it is in yourself? They come along and they say, actually, your life isn't as bad as you perceive it to be which is why some of you need to go out and register to be a part of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and start making some friends. You know who makes friends? Friendly people. Friends make friends. Well, I'm just waiting for them all to come to me. They're not going to. You're not friendly. Friends make friends. And it's a choice that you have to make instead of living in isolation to get a real perspective of your reality. To get honest with your reality, you need someone to help you. And Lady Tremaine, her inability, her unwillingness to deal with the responsibility of what led to her reality, to not deal with the bitterness in her life. It not only affected her and infected her, but everyone else around her. Which reminds me of a scripture in Hebrews, chapter 12. It says this, be careful that none of you fails to receive the grace 
which God gives. If he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but also poisons the lives of everyone else around you. Listen, life is not going to be short on opportunities to become bitter. You'll have plenty of opportunity. And if you choose to hold on to those situations and those experiences that hurt you, instead of accepting the grace and strength of God, the bitterness inside of you will eventually not only poison you, but everyone around you, and most likely it will be those closest to you that it will most likely affect the most. I'm I'm telling people all the time, you've got to let that go. You've got to let it. Here's what bitterness does. It clings to all of the negative experiences of your life. But it serves you no good, and it closes the door to your future. But as soon as you let go of the hurt, as soon as you make the choice to walk in kindness and in forgiveness, you realize there's this whole world out there be waiting to, to be experienced and lived. And you realize how much time you've been wasting and the opportunities you've been missing all because you refused to let it go. You've been poisoned by the bitterness and now it's weighing you down. That scripture in Hebrews, it really speaks to two people, those that receive the grace of God and those that don't. And if you receive the grace of God, the difference between receiving the grace of God and and not is the ability to hold on to the pain or the ability to let it go. But it's not just the receiving of God's grace. There has to be a simultaneous letting go. You can't continue to hold on to these things and receive all the full extent of what God's grace can do in your life. You can't do them both. So yes, you need to receive the forgiveness of God, but in order to do that, you need to let something else go. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, God gives his gifts where he finds the vessel empty enough to receive them. Augustine, going through a particular challenging season of his life, he said that I realized full hands, even the divine couldn't give in to. But empty hands are hands that receive best from God. You see, you can't receive anything new if your hands are still full of yesterday's junk. Empty hands are those that receive best. And the pain that you're walking through, if you will allow it, will actually drive you to your destiny. It's actually a gift to your life. Unfortunately, most people don't know that they need God until they have a need. David came to this recognition in Psalm 32. He finally comes to his senses and he goes, Then finally, I acknowledged my sin. And I didn't cover it up. And I said, I won't just acknowledge it and recognize it, but now I will profess it. I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and he forgave the guilt of my sin. You want the forgiveness of God? You've got to acknowledge there's some things in your life that you've got to confess and let go of. Holding on to the things that you want will never get you the things that God wants you to have. He, he wants to give you some other things, but you keep holding on to things that aren't allowing him to. You need to release something so that you can receive something. So Kit goes on this search to find the mystery woman from the ball who stole his heart. So he sends out the royal guard to find the maiden whose foot fits the slipper. And when they show up at Lady Tremaine's estate, she, along with the stepsisters, do everything in their power to make sure that Cinderella is not seen. And just... When they think they've done it, something happens. Although she may not have been seen, she could still be heard. 
you need to know that the enemy of your life will claim to be something in your life that he never was and never was meant to be. In fact, he'll try to convince you that your life is supposed to be in service to him. And in order to get to your destiny, it's going to require you to declare whose child you are and who you belong to. And her willingness to forgive, to truly forgive, is what then allowed her to walk in freedom. Listen, your willingness to forgive that friend, that pastor, that teacher, that coach, your coworker, your parent, your spouse, maybe, your willingness to forgive them is what's going to allow you to walk in freedom. I love the question in the comment. The narrator makes, she says, would who she was, who she really was, be enough? This is perhaps the greatest risk that any of us will take to be seen as we truly are. Boy, that's risky, isn't it? To be scary. To be seen as you truly are, to open up oneself and to look inside and to make an examination of who you really are. To not identify yourself any longer by what others have done to you or by the past hurts of your life, but to introspectively look inside of yourself and take the risk to have the courage to take steps towards your destiny by declaring who you are. Which is why you need to remember who you are. Ephesians chapter 2. But now you belong to Christ Jesus. And though you once were far away from him, now you have been brought very near to him. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for you with his blood. You are a child of God that he loves so much that he sent his son to pay a dear price for you so that you could be forgiven and rescued from the pain, the snare of what anyone has done to you or said to you, you belong to him. So what do we learn? Just a few takeaways. Number one, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice, actually, that you're going to have to make over and over and over again. It is not a feeling. It is a deliberate act of your will. And let me just say, you're probably not going to feel like doing it. Forgiveness is a one-player game. It's not about the condition of your relationship with that person. It's about the condition of you and your heart. It's between you and God. Cinderella makes the choice. She makes the choice to forgive. And in doing that, she walks into her destiny. It's in your unwillingness to forgive that it will prevent you from walking into your destiny completely free. Which is the second point. Forgiveness sets you free. It's a choice. But it sets you free. When, when we forgive, it sets a prisoner free. But it's not the other person. It sets you free. Some of us think, well, the only way I'm doing that is if they come groveling back and beg me for forgiveness. To ask for my... If they come back and say, I'm sorry, then maybe. And if you do that, you will hold yourself hostage to the very person who hurt you in the first place. You, you've left it up to them now whether or not you can be free. Can, can I just forget what they did? Forget what they said? Stop remembering well all of the details. Stop touching the scat. Leave it alone. And I listen, I get it. 
It's hard to forgive someone that's not sorry for what they've done. I get it. But forgiveness is learning to accept an apology that's never going to come. Otherwise, without forgiveness, life becomes this endless cycle of resentment and retaliation and you never live at peace. Choosing to walk in forgiveness brings you freedom. In fact, you have the key to your own self. Let yourself out. And finally, and this is the best news you hear all day, forgiveness is not only a choice and sets you free, but it's, it's available to you. 1 John chapter 1. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we, don't miss this, we have fellowship one with another. So, so your decision to get honest and step out of the dark and into the light to be seen as you truly are, it has an impact not just on you, but on every relationship in your life. So let me say it this way. The closer you get to God and the closer you get to the truth, the better every relationship in your life will be. Because the forgiven... Forgive. Those that have been forgiven have the ability to forgive. It gives you the capacity to do it. You'll never have the capacity to forgive unless and until you fully experience the forgiveness of God. And he not only forgives us, but here's the next thing he does. Look, just a couple verses later in verse 9. But if we confess, we get honest. He's faithful. He's just to forgive and to cleanse us. To clean us. He not only forgives, but he cleanses. Titus chapter 3. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, when, when he stepped in, he not only saved us from our sin. Yes, it was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He, he not only saved us, but he, he gives us a good bath. He cleans us. I love that. And we come out of it completely new on the other side of it, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Ella asks the prince this question. Maybe it's a question that you've asked God, and it's this. Will you really take me as I am? God, will you really take me as I am? Maybe you're convinced that God will not accept you in your current state, that you're too far gone. Listen to me. God takes you just as you are, friend. Here's the thing. He doesn't see you the way you see yourself. Broken, dirty, and messed up, and unworthy, and unusable. No, no, no. He sees you as you could be. Hey, everybody. Start seeing the world as it could be. Stop seeing it through the lens of your pain and through the filter of your past. See your life as it could be. God does, and you're his child. So why don't you start seeing yourself as he sees you? Because happily ever after actually is possible. <laughs> if you'll have the courage to get honest, to be seen as you truly are, to acknowledge your sin, to confess it, to walk into the light, to put your faith in him and on him, not because of anything that you've done, but because of everything that he's done. And if you, listen, if you will do that, I promise you, he will be faithful he will be just. He will be righteous. He will forgive you, and he will make you clean. Thanks again for listening. 
If you want to join us on Sunday, we meet at Wilson Central High School at either 9 or 11 o'clock a.m. I'll look forward to seeing you there.